I'm Coco, I'm a black belt under Gyun Hopper, and today I'm going to be showing my favorite technique. So I go for knee size position, and most times when I go for knee size position, the person really has a good guard tension on one side, so, and this is my comfortable side. So if, as they push away, I like to change sides and go to this side. But I'm already preparing when I go to knee size position where I have the inside control so that person tries to throw it over. As he throws it over, I have this space here to tuck underneath and go to leg drag. And as I go to leg drag, I put my head in the middle and try to catch your opponent to take uh, exposed to back. Now there's no <laughs> All right, so I just got to do a quick um, sponsor shout out. So, um, sponsor is aesthetic or fightaesthetic.asia or fightaesthetic.sea. Um, use code BGJAsia and you'll get 10% off all products except from the Legacy Gi. All right, so um, I've been lucky enough to be able to meet Coco, who's an AOJ black belt, but I want him to make his um, own introduction, so I'm just going to let him say. Um, it's great to have you here, Coco. Um, what? Yeah, so just introduce yourself. Okay, thanks for having me first. Um, so I'm Coco. Um, I'm a Gian Hafa black belt, and I've been training over, over like about 10 years now, 10, 11 years. Mm -hmm. But um, I was born in Japan. I grew up in Australia. But from like age 12 to like 18, I spent like six months of my life in California training at AOJ. Mm -hmm. And I would just do back and forth between California and Australia. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was actually really interested in that as well. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a formal Japanese name, by the way? Or do you rather not say? Oh, I do. Okay. So like, uh, Koko is my real name. Yeah. So like, um, I don't have any, I have a kanji yeah. for that. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think um, it's Taiko no Ko ni Kokoro. Right. Okay. And... Like uh, my is Coco. I thought Coco. it was something like something like um, I don't know, like Takashi. No, 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 no. So my okay. mom liked Coco Chanel. Okay. And then there was also like an Italian soccer player named Coco, apparently. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so, enough. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. My last name's not Izzy either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Izutsu. Izutsu. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I was guessing that from the email address that you sent me for the questions. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. So um, so you so you moved. Did you ever train when you were um, living, still living in Japan, or did you start training when you moved to Australia? So in Japan, mm -hmm. like I moved to Australia when I was like six or seven, mm -hmm. and in Japan I was training a lot of wrestling oh, and really? karate. Oh, and when I moved to Australia, I was looking for karate or wrestling, but there's nothing there. Yeah. So when I moved to Australia, there was only jujitsu, mm -hmm. and I was like, fortunate enough, in like I was in a place where there was a Hickson Gracie black belt. Okay. His name's Jason Robic, mm -hmm. and he still runs academy there. Yeah. And I go all the time. So I started training there, but I wasn't like doing it like anything seriously because mm -hmm. I was just doing it for fun. Like I would play like soccer, rugby, mm -hmm. and then maybe just like once yeah. a week or once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing jiu-jitsu more properly like uh, when I went to AOJ. Yeah. Like, I, so like um, how old were you when you first went to AOJ? I think I was... 12. 12 and what 12. um was it like something how did you find out where aoj was did like did your parents just say okay this gym looks really good let's just check this place out or yeah we were like um on a holiday mm -hmm. and we were in uh, california and 
I was doing a bit of jiu-jitsu, and my dad knew about AOJ. Right, okay. So we just went down there, and we had a look, and you I like tried a class, and I loved it. So mm. I was like, oh, let's just keep coming here. Or do either your parents train? No. No? Oh, right, but they just they, they kind of encourage you to like yeah. keep doing what you like, and then basically... My parents love like um, martial arts. Right, so, okay. Like, my mom loves wrestling, pro wrestling, just like watching that. Oh, wow, okay. And then my dad loves um, MMA. Yeah. So that's, we, that's just, so they, so they just decide, okay, we're going to encourage Coco to yeah. get into martial arts, basically. I also think it's like an Asian thing. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. I got made to do judo when I was a little bit younger yeah. as well. Yeah. Because like, it wasn't my choice to do jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, I just got put into it. Right, okay. Yeah. But like, um, so where were you based in Japan before you moved to Australia? Where was that? I think it's like Tokyo, but like mm-hmm. all over the place in Tokyo. Like oh, really? I moved like from I lived in like mm-hmm. Ebisu, Hiro, Shibuya, right, Roppongi, huh? Like all over the place. So in terms of like finding a, like I mean I've never ever seen like a wrestling academy or any like I know wrestling is a big a big mm-hmm. thing in Japan. You can just see by their like Olympic records, yeah. but it's like how did your mom find or your parents find like a wrestling place for you to go train at? That's like. You must you must like look really hard to like find a place, no? Rest, no, it's pretty. I think there's a lot. Like uh, wrestling is like popular in Japan for kids. Everyone does it. I, I only ever see judo, and like in terms of media, I only ever see like judo being mm-hmm. covered. Or it, might, it must just be me, yeah. I actually don't know why I got into wrestling either. Yeah. But I got like put into karate first. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's this like famous guy I used to train under. Um, his name's Narushima Ryu. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently his dad's like a an anime mm-hmm. no manga writer I think oh really but yeah so mm-hmm. and then he was like meant to be this like this dragon like he was meant to be a legend yeah so I was training there and then from there like mm-hmm. I moved to like wrestling yep so so you kind of did from what age did you start wrestling like five five <laughs> six yeah damn you gotta start young <laughs> alright so um so you're traveling in California, you go to AOJ, you seem to enjoy it. So how, how does it, how do you schedule kind of like, um, like, like normal schooling mm-hmm. with training like six months at a time back home in Australia and six months in like California? How does that work? Oh, it didn't work out well, honestly. <laughs> no, no. no. So like I would, when I was training in California, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do any school at all. Okay. And then like from like age 12 to like age 15, 16, mm-hmm. I think I went like max 100 days of school. Wow. And your parents was cool with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were cool with it. Like I would do the work sometimes. Like mm-hmm. they would make me go to Kumon. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was doing a bit there, but mm. I hated it. So. Yeah. But when I was 17, I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went... I kind of changed to like a international school, mm-hmm. uh, like international school in Japan that does online school. Yeah. And they're like a school just for like people who can't go to school, like they have extracurricular mm-hmm. activities. So I did that for like one year mm-hmm. and I quickly graduated from that. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was basically fine. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, um, from 12 onwards, you're kind of like just um, concentrating more on jujitsu then. Yeah, just jujitsu. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, in terms of standards for schools, especially, especially for jiu-jitsu schools, like AOJ is like the golden standard. Yeah. Like, um, how, like how was it going through that while well, going through that system from like such a young, young age? 
So, like, this is interesting where at, when I first went there, mm-hmm. all the best kids from the world came to AOJ. Yeah. And, like, you got kids from, like, come from Hawaii, like, you know, New York, everywhere. And so, like, you just had the best kids on the mats. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, from age 12 to, like, 14, mm-hmm. 15. So that's when, like, the AOJ kids team was, like, winning... I think they're still winning the Pan Kids title, but yeah. like the biggest uh, kids tournament, mm-hmm. and we were considered like the best kids team. Yeah, that's when you have like they're still there. Um, Jessica Khan, mm-hmm. Zach Kiner, there. Mm-hmm. We were all training yeah. together, and after like fifteen, they started doing this program called Believe and Achieve. Yeah, where they bring like kids from like juveniles from Brazil to compete in the US, and so like I got the taste of like best kids team in that era and also the best juvenile team yeah where it was like Tynan Jonathan and there was so many other guys there mm. just like all killers just yeah. like sh- showing up to AOJ first day and just like killing everybody yeah and then now it's like a different era like which I'm not really a part of uh, AOJ as much now mm-hmm. like I still compete under them because I got my black belt under them yeah but now that I'm like in Thailand training mm-hmm. here, but they have like this new era of like a lot of the new black belts competing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so you got your black belt at what age was it? <laughs> what age I get? I think I got it 20. 20? Well, yeah. You're 21 now, so was, Tw- it, was it last year? It was not a lot. No, I, got, I think I got a 20. Uh, no, 19. 19, so it's 2021 20, oh. then. 2021, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. End of 2021, yeah. yeah. And then since since after that you decided um, what was the decision after you got your black belt? Do you want to like? Well, well, you're starting to become a lawyer right now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, did you ever think, okay, I can go this way as a full time athlete, or am I going to go this way and become a lawyer? I wasn't like never like intending to become a full time athlete. Yeah. Okay. You just I like was training. Training for fun. Yeah. So I think that was like the difference between like me and. Some of the AOJ guys mm-hmm. where there's a, like there's a couple of guys who study mm-hmm. and train. Yeah. But there's some like that just trains. Mm-hmm. But like my parents wanted me to study. Yeah. So when during COVID, I went back to uh, school, university. Mm-hmm. But like I couldn't get straight into university because I graduated high school, but it was like a certificate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through like the whole, I forgot what program it was called, but like it's mm-hmm. kind of like a dropout program. Yeah. Like, you get a second chance. Yeah. So, I did that. Mm-hmm. And then, after that, I did pretty well. So, they were like, you can choose any degrees, which one you want to go into. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't know what to choose. So, yeah. I just chose law. Yeah. And I did law for like one year. And then, I was like, I want to compete jiu-jitsu again. I want to do like the world championship. So, during COVID, like end of COVID, mm-hmm. I went to the US to compete right. at Brown Belt Worlds. And then after that, I got my black belt. Right. Okay. Mm. So, you took a gap year just to like uh, compete? No, I didn't take a gap year. Oh, you're like, still studying? For- study, yeah. I was studying oh, wow. online. So, right. like the past two worlds, mm-hmm. I did my exam the night before. So, like it was an online exam. So, yeah. I did... And it was like the time difference. My exam started at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. and I would finish at 12. Yeah. And I would start cutting weight afterwards that. And then I would compete the next morning. 
So like so the Master Worlds. Yeah, so, so you're doing like your finals for each given year, and then like you're competing for the world straight after that. Straight, yeah. Man, isn't that quite like a demanding schedule? It is, but like a, I have to do it. Yeah. And like I can choose to like defer my exams. Yeah. But like, and then like I'm like. Yeah. I would miss out on my holidays. Yeah, I had to study during my holidays, so I was like, okay. I'll just do my exams yeah. then. And you passed and you competed. Yeah. God damn. That's mm-hmm. a high... mm-hmm. Man, don't know what I've been doing in my own life, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Okay, so um, looks like you've been traveling around in Asia as well right now. Are you, um, are you actually studying on campus still in Australia? So I'm taking a gap year at the moment. Right. So like, mm-hmm. Which year are you in, sorry? Year, uh, second year. Second year, yeah. okay. So I only got one more year to go. Mm-hmm. And... So like I'm traveling around Asia now, but last year, like for the for six months, mm-hmm. I had a um, working holiday pass in Singapore mm-hmm. because like um, my initial plans like to go to Singapore was like I wanted to do my master's degree, right? Okay, uh, master's in law mm-hmm. uh, like a, uh, the National University of Singapore, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if I was gonna like Singapore, so I just went there. Yeah, just to check it out initially. Just check it out. And then Mikey was like, he messaged me. He's like, oh, I'm moving to Singapore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll just move there. I'll just get a working holiday yeah. six months, like 12 months earlier than mm-hmm. uh, my date of finish of like my university. Mm-hmm. So I was meant to go like after I finished my university, then go to Singapore. Okay. But since Mikey was like, he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And there's not many opportunities to train with him. Yeah, yeah. In Asia. He goes around quite a lot as well, right? A lot. So yeah. I was like, okay, let me just train mm-hmm. with him for mm-hmm. next six months. And then, like, university was still online at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was able to do, like, just six months in Singapore. Okay. And uh, were you just um, a full-time student in Singapore or were you doing a little bit of teaching as well? No, I wasn't teaching at all. No? No. Oh, wow. Okay. I was just training. Damn. So you're basically, like, the main training partner with uh, Mikey, basically. Yeah. So. Okay. I, I used to coach a lot. Mm-hmm. So. I had a jiu-jitsu gym called uh, Little Knowledge, mm-hmm. and I was teaching um, kids and adults, mm-hmm. and I was just like doing it like in my apartment. Right. Okay. So like my apartment's like split up into two, and like one side I just put like mats down, and yeah. like I was teaching kids for like maybe two years, mm-hmm. and after COVID, and then I was like I want to travel a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I stopped teaching mm-hmm. and then moved to Singapore. Right. Okay. So the um, the little hope it's called little little hope. Yeah. Little knowledge. Little knowledge. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So little knowledge was that in Australia? In Australia. Oh, okay. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like um, in terms of like teaching, mm-hmm. what, what what was your schedule like? Is it like teaching six seven days a week or? Oh no 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 no. My schedule was like, the jiu-jitsu gym, like was built. Like around my schedule a lot. Right. Okay. Because I was going to university in the morning, mm-hmm. and I would teach at night. But Sundays I wouldn't be able to uh, teach because, uh, like, I would have classes all day. Yeah. So, I would only teach. Uh, I had like three classes a week, mm-hmm. and um, it was like kids and then adults. Yeah. But m- mostly it was like kids' parents training afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it was just like. Um, I teach the kids. I yeah. do like a daycare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I teach the adults. Right. So what was the age bracket for the kids' classes? Pretty broad. It was like, like from like four to like 13. Oh, wow. That is a broad. <laughs> and then straight after that, you just go straight into like, like an ad- adult class. Adult class, yeah. Right. So is like the length of each class like an hour or how, how does it work for you? Oh, for kids' class, like mm-hmm. it was one hour mm-hmm. and then adults' class one hour too. Right. Okay. Because... Mm-hmm. 
kids class is like more like 45 minutes because mm-hmm. like the attention spans like yeah. 10 minutes yeah i get it yeah yeah and i was teaching like mm-hmm. five-year-olds too mm-hmm. so yeah trying to trying to mix a five and a 13 year old yeah. quite challenging as well yeah yeah uh, which do you find more difficult kids or adults then kids is more rewarding 100 percent. yeah kids is uh it depends on like who i'm teaching because like mm-hmm. if i'm teaching an adult and they really want to compete i have like a f- responsibility to give them all and then like they can do the best in competition yeah with kids it's like i'm more like i'll just have fun if you want to compete compete yeah like my the difference between like the teaching and kids like before i used to train like a real competitive when i was a kid like Mm -hmm. like you go to class and i never enjoyed like class when i was a kid oh really yeah because like it was Mm -hmm. tough yeah like like every training was like one hour 30 and it was like the hardest class like mm-hmm. ever like now like the comp class to me it feels very easy because i did like the hard kids class yeah and i didn't want to put that on the kids right okay and then i think it's also australian culture mm-hmm. it's like it's better to just them have fun and you never know when the kids are gonna improve mm-hmm. so like i've seen kids like who wasn't good at yeah. all at like age eight nine and there's some kids that were really good but like there comes to a point like it changes like those kids who weren't good like yeah. suddenly improves yeah because like they improve like sometimes like the parents are uh always coaching them on the side mm-hmm. and those kids tend to be good like at a younger age mm-hmm. and they're, like if they can if they enjoy it they keep getting good but sometimes like the kids who don't care yeah and start start caring like after age 13 then yeah they get like mm-hmm. they suddenly improve. Do, do you think the ones that suddenly improve when they're lighthearted at a younger age? Do you think they they tend to have a lot more longevity than the ones that take it seriously at a younger age, or do you think they kind of just they just they just approach they just kind of bloom into at different ages basically or different stages? Oh, that's a difficult one because like, so for example, AOJ, mm-hmm. AOJ is like a great environment because like everyone's trying to become a competitor there. Yeah. So, like, you get influenced to train, mm-hmm. but. In Australia, like, there's no, like, gym like that. So, mm-hmm. like, after you're 13, 14, then the party starts kicking in. Yeah. And then you're, like, the kids go, mm-hmm. nah, I'm not going to do jiu-jitsu anymore. I'm just going to go to the parties at night. Yeah. Do you think there's any other gym that's, like, similar to AOJ, would you say? Anywhere in the world. It could any- be Asia, America, China. Uh, I haven't been to, like, any of the other, so many big gyms, but... Mm-hmm. It, I would say AOJ is like special mm-hmm. because like you have gi and half a teaching yeah. like and there's not many uh, gyms that have like world champions teaching yeah. constantly mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like it's run by them yeah but like they're not there but gi and half is always there at AOJ yes not to say that they're micromanaging but they're there hands on hands on like teach yeah. coaching yeah, yeah coaching the classes mm-hmm. and then also, like now, like if you look at all the coaches, mm-hmm. they're all world champions. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've noticed is, I mean, they don't, like some gyms, like for example, like Atos, they te- seem to have like affiliates everywhere, right? So for example, like um, um, it was initially in the Philippines, for example, it was initially Six Blades or the Hibera Brothers. And mm-hmm. then they had uh, an association called DevTag and they had gyms everywhere in the Philippines, right? And it spread like wildfire. Then all of a sudden Atos comes in and then they have like a lot of, I have a few Filipino friends and um, they start like sprouting 
um, like affiliations, like Atos Philippine associations, everyone in Manila, Makati, outside a little bit in Cebu and stuff like that. But why, why does it seem to sense with the AOJ is they don't want to kind of do that. They want to make sure everything is very high quality. So they're, I think they're they're opening up a second branch from what I can see from social media, but they want to make sure that they're, they're hands on with everything, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's also like a uh, sh- it was a Stripe issue too, because uh, I think for IBGF to mm-hmm. open affiliation, yep. you need like three stripes or four. I'm not too sure, but like uh, because uh, AOJ used to have a lot of uh, affiliations mm-hmm. too, but it was under Atos. Yeah, yeah, but and then, then they split. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's because like maybe they got enough stripes to open their own affiliation. Right. Okay. So to be like an independent gym, you need a third degree in your belt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I see. Wow. Or like to be approved on the IBJF mm-hmm. to like start an affiliation. Yeah. Yeah. But like the second gym's been like mm-hmm. in the talks for a long time, mm-hmm. but they've been like super particular with like what they want. Yeah. And what location. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted like. To replicate the first one, like having yeah. the world champions teach there. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not well. I I don't know what the geography of um, California is, but it's it's not that far away, right? Like like I've no clue about that no. one. Yeah, I was trying to check the map, and it didn't look that far away. So it means that they could go and they could be like managing it as well mm-hmm. there. Yeah, everyone's. I suppose everyone be really interested, but um, in terms of having two of the lightweight champions of the world teaching you, was um, could I like? Is there a difference between how he teaches and how Hafa teaches or is there like a major personality difference well they both have different styles of jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and Gi's more top heavy pressure mm-hmm. where he's so good at the knee slice like yeah. if he gets the knee slice on yeah. you it's pretty much death it's <laughs> like and he can pass both sides and mm-hmm. he has a really good uh, long step mm-hmm. so he can like grab your collar and the pants and if he starts passing yeah it's hard to stop. So he teaches uh, that style a lot. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Guy was teaching more like uh, after the kids' class, so like that's where most of my influence came. Right, okay. And Hafa is is more speed style. Mm-hmm. And I would say like uh, Hafa's... I didn't get to... Uh, I learned a lot from Hafa. But I learned more from Gi because yeah. Gi was like the main coach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's the older brother as well, right? Even though he's the later weight, the later competitor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. No problem. So now, so you lived in, so um, for six months, you're just training with Mikey the whole time then? Yeah. All the time. Just, just every day, six days a week, seven days a week, basically? Every day, yeah. Six days a week, yeah. So how did, um, how did you first connect? Or was it through AOJ? Through AOJ. So like, uh-huh. I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Mikey would come to AOJ all the time, mm-hmm. like, and he would train, and that's where I met him. And in twenty seventeen or eighteen, I went to Vegas to go train with him in, at one of the academies. I forgot the name. It's like Venom Academy, isn't it? Or Venom, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh I was a purple belt then. Yeah. And I just went to go train with him. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then. When he came to Singapore, he yeah. messaged me. He's like, oh, oh, "Moving to Evolve." Evolve, and I was yeah. like, "Okay, sweet, I'll move too." Yeah, is it, is he teaching in Evolve? No, he doesn't no, teach. no. He's just a full time athlete now, basically. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's only a small period of time in your life where you can actually do that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and I think Mikey's like prioritizing training at the moment. Yeah, but he's such a great teacher. Like, yeah, I mean, every little, like just from all the guys training with him right now, they just say every little detail is so precise. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. 
Right, okay. So um, you just decided to come to Thailand with him just to help him train out for his next match in October, right? Yeah. So yeah. most of his fights are in Thailand. Mm -hmm. So we were like, why don't we just go to Thailand and do the training camp and be acclimated to like the sleep schedule? Yeah. How's the training? Like, I'm, I've personally, I've never been to Singapore, but um, how did you find living in Singapore for six months? Oh, I loved it. Yeah? Yeah, Singapore was so great. Like, really? What do you like about it so much? Well, like... Coming from the Gold Coast, mm -hmm. Singapore was like a huge city for me. Right, okay. Like Gold Coast only has like the beach. Mm -hmm. And like it's nice and relaxing, but you kind of get bored of it. Right. Bored okay. of it like if you grew up there. Mm -hmm. So like when I went to Singapore, it was like this huge city. Everything's different. Mm -hmm. And training there like at Evolve is mm -hmm. perfect because like you got sh clean showers, mm -hmm. you got towel service. So like all you have to do is go there. And train, train and that's it that's and everything it. else is taking care of you mm -hmm. basically right and okay. like Singapore's a, s a small country so you can mm -hmm. go everywhere on public transport mm -hmm. so I would just catch a train from my hotel to Evolve and yeah. just train every day which is perfect mm -hmm. so, uh, did you get a chance to train anywhere else? I went to uh, Equilibrium too uh -huh. um, I went to EQ 2017-18 yeah. uh, before they moved to a new location mm -hmm. but I've been to Evolve uh, quite a few times mm -hmm. before I went last year yeah. because uh, Mendes uh, Guy and Hafa would teach seminars there all the time yeah um, with Singapore as well the way it is it's kind of similar to Hong Kong in that they can bring like the really high caliber people to teach and actually for for like the competitors or the teachers as well it can economically make sense for them to, to like have seminars here yeah. yeah Thailand's a little bit different because like the economic the economic system is a little bit different over here as well. Yeah. It makes sense if you go down to Phuket and do like a camp, like at the MMA camps, because mm. like you just get this huge transient community of people coming in, just have a whole layer train or you have the athletes training there. But mm. Bangkok City can be a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, because I don't hear too many people doing seminars in Bangkok. <laughs> there's, a, there's a per diem that they ask for. If you're in Singapore, it makes sense and you could charge more. But with Thailand, you got to remember like the... Mm. The average salary is completely different to Singapore and Hong yeah. Kong. So, realistically speaking, you can charge X. But obviously, if you if you're like someone like like, let's say Hulk Barbosa or mm. Lucas Lepree, they'll ask for X amount, and yeah. it's just like there's no way the gyms are gonna be able to afford that. Basically, uh, yeah. you know. Mm. So, so if let's say for example, if they they go to Singapore for a seminar and they can get the per diem sorted out, if they want to get like an extra little bit of um, holiday in Thailand that can cover their costs mm -hmm. it does make sense but in terms of actually gaining a profit for them it just it's just not going to make sense for them basically yeah yeah, yeah. as long as they're, they're, they understand okay I'll, I'll make my money in Singapore and Hong Kong and Japan I'll stop up at Thailand cover costs and teach a quick seminar that, that mm -hmm. would make sense for them and hopefully they'll, re they'll realize that because negotiating with them has been hard mm -hmm. I remember Braulio came a few years back as well and it was we just in normal managed to organize 4E 40 people for for the seminar and that was like a struggle in itself as well oh really yeah yeah it's, it's just because like most most ties the average salary is like it's like anywhere between maybe twenty five thousand to thirty thousand baht a month and then you got to remember as well they got to live outside the city because most like where we are right now is on second beat right mm -hmm. and we're on tongla and tongla is basically like the beverly hills of bangkok oh. but the average thai person that wants to do jiu-jitsu paying like anywhere between let's say three thousand to Four and a half thousand baht for a monthly membership of a jiu-jitsu gym is very difficult. Yeah, that's true. But but um, jiu-jitsu is definitely growing here as well. We have a national team. Um, our head coach Andrew Arete he built the national team as well, and they're they're doing quite well right now. 
Okay. So, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah. They're going to compete Asian Games, right? Yeah. Yep. I think, um, I think they just came back from Mongolia as well. But in terms of like Southeast Asia, it seems like the level's climbing very quickly. Um, I was trying to do something in Myanmar, but unfortunately, uh, the country got taken over by the military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Cambodia is just starting as well. But the, and from what I've heard in Cambodia, um, they're supposed to pay the Aussies a certain amount of money, but then the money kind of disappears. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I probably should be very careful. I'm not going to be blacklisted or to Cambodia. But you hear very similar stories in Southeast Asia. And it's still, they're still like kind of like like um not like first tier countries so they're still kind of developing yeah so like for example um it seems like the filipino national team's really strong thailand's definitely upcoming as well but when you go to the national games you can see who's winning and i've spoken to a few people um that kind of work in that kind of circle and it seems like like um the last event i think was in kazakhstan but it seems like that country has a lot of strong competitors and they come into Bangkok to do like national team um, events as well. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Great. I remember this this one dude came in, his name was Ramazan and um, he had one of those um, Khabib beards and he came yeah. into class and he looked really scary. But he was like super nice, yeah. very polite and then he just kind of comes up to me in the middle of the warm-up, he goes, coach, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, can I go pray? I was like, oh yeah, you're Muslim. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, you can go pray. And he's just like right in the gym area just doing his like, his uh, normal like, Muslim prayer, which was pretty cool. But he was like the nicest guy ever. But like you see him on the circuit, and it, like in Kazakhstan, they compete the whole time. It seems like every other week there's competitions in Kazakhstan. Oh really? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, seen like mm-hmm. the Kazakhstan team compete. I've just seen like because I was training in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I know like the Singapore national team. Yeah. Um, I know some competitors from uh, Philippines mm-hmm. and Cambodia. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know, like, because uh, I know the UAE is strong, mm-hmm. which is, but I didn't know, like, that Kazakhstan was strong, too. Like, they were heavily... Well, they have, that, they have that wrestling culture, right? And I think um, in terms of, like, former Soviet countries, like, wrestling's a huge cu- culture. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just adapt their oh. rules to, like, the kind of Nawaza rules. The way it works in um, the IOC or the national team competitions, you'll have Nawaza with their own kind of, like, jiu-jitsu rules. Mm-hmm. Then there's fighting which is kind of like a hybrid of MMA, kind of like MMA jiu-jitsu. So you can score points with strikes. Um, if you get a takedown, you get a red flag. Or if, you're on the bl- if, or if you're blue, you get a blue flag. If you manage to pin the guy down for more than 20 seconds, you get another flag. And if you get a clean hit, you get another flag. So if you manage to hit all three criterias, three in a row, you automatically just win the match. Okay. Or, or you can win by points if, you've not, if mm-hmm. it's kind of like a stalemate, basically. And then the the last one is the performance one. I think it just comes from the old Asian culture, the Southeast Asian countries, where you'll do nawaza, you'll do fighting, and then you could do the performing one, performance one, where you kind of do. Have you been to any Muay Thai shows here? No. Have, okay, so in the in, in the interlude, they do this kind of performance where they're like wearing the traditional like rope around the fists, and they can like do like a, a fighting simulation basically and it's almost like a dance performance but it's fighting basically okay so it's like yeah. a, uh the karate yeah uh, yeah it's like a, it's like a kata competition basically okay. so so i think with the national teams you have to do all three but obviously nawaz is the one that everyone competes the hardest that obviously mm-hmm. yeah so how, how are you finding um thailand so far oh it's great you enjoy it right uh, yeah it's like so different mm-hmm. it's got a little bit more like chaos in comparison to singapore right yeah, definitely. But like, the, 
like traffic here is like insane like yeah. during the rush hour mm-hmm. but other than that mm-hmm. like i love the food here yeah um i love training here mm-hmm. i like the um weather here it's not cold yeah because i can't do the cold no no i can't do the cold anymore either yeah i went back to the uk in christmas i couldn't handle it <laughs> so um how long are you here for i'm here for th- uh 30 days 30 days okay and then until like uh, Mikey's fight with mm-hmm. Shinya. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we haven't uh, decided. We might mm-hmm. do uh, another 30 days here. Mm-hmm. Or we might go, uh, I might go compete in Europe or uh, in the US. Yeah. Like one of the competitions before Nogi Worlds. All uh, right. But in terms of Europe or, yeah, are you going to be doing like Gi competition? Or Nogi. Just, Nogi. You yeah. just want to do Nogi right now. Just Nogi, yeah. All right. Okay. Haven't so- competed in the Gi since. 2021. 2021. Yeah. All right. What's made What's made you kind of transfer? Because, I mean, AOJ is quite a quite a gi heavy school. What's What's made you want to do more nogi right now? It was just like when I was training with Mikey, we would only train mm-hmm. nogi. We wouldn't do any gi. Yeah. So that's the only reason. Yeah. Like and then, I kind of like did gi all my life, mm-hmm. and so I kind of wanted to switch it up. And yeah. nogi is like pretty interesting at the moment. Yeah, it seems like that's where the money. Well. <laughs> wrong way to say it but it just seems like that's what the trend is right now is nogi right yeah the trend is like definitely towards nogi but mm-hmm. it comes and goes yeah honestly like mm-hmm. it, like even with jiu-jitsu techniques you know it's the same yeah like sometimes like like jiu-jitsu growth too mm-hmm. like sometimes it feels like it's growing so much and then you have a period like it's like yeah. dead right so what belt did you actually start coaching from I was teaching privates like in Australia, mm-hmm. like since like I was like a kids belt. So I did my first seminar, mm-hmm. a charity seminar, and I was teaching kids and adults at Orange Belt. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, this was at Carpe Diem, mm-hmm. and also I would go to a lot of uh, seminars with uh, Gi and Hafa. They would take me yeah. to like Japan and take me to their seminar, so I can see like what they teach. Right. Like how they okay. run it. So, yeah. and then like, like if I'm with them, like mm-hmm. people would ask me, oh, how do I do this? Yeah. And I could just help them out. So like, I started like helping out mm-hmm. and like kind of coaching like a, as a kid spelt. Yeah. But I probably started teaching at Brown. Brown Belt. Yeah. Okay. And you've like taught seminars quite a lot of places around Asia then? <laughs> Only taught in Japan, Hong Kong, Australia. Only. And okay. But that's it, yeah. Yeah. I didn't okay. teach, uh, teach in Singapore or anything, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, in terms of Japan, is it usually just um, the Carpe Diem branches that you teach seminars at? I did one at, uh, I just did one at Carpe Diem, yeah. Right, okay. But I haven't taught in Japan for a long time. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Did uh, Did you manage to teach in Japanese? Yeah. Or, yeah? I have to teach in Japanese. Yeah, you have to, you have to teach in Japanese. Wow. Mm-hmm. I get really nervous if I, like, yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. Oh, like mix up English and Japanese. Yeah, 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 and you get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the good thing about Carpe Diem is very much international, isn't it? Yeah, everyone speaks English, so it's so it makes yeah. it so much easier. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of future plans, you're looking to compete around Europe a little bit and then go to Nogi Worlds. When is Nogi Worlds? December eighth. December eighth. I think okay. it's around there. It's yeah. like first week of December. Yeah. And then what's we'll, and then the plans after that is just to go back to uni, basically. Yeah, I have to go back to Australia. My university starts like January 8th, I think. January 8th, okay. But in the meantime, you're going around doing a little bit of traveling then? 
Yeah, just going to yeah. be traveling and training. That's awesome. So you've traveled a little bit around Asia now. I mean, um, where, where where have you found to be your favorite so far? Uh, to be in your favorite so far? Well, I kind of have a bias decision mm-hmm. because, uh, uh, like, I love Japan. Yeah. Um, my grandparents still live there, so mm-hmm. I think Japan would be number one. Yeah. Um, and I'd really like Singapore and Bang uh, Thailand. Yeah. So I would put Singapore and Thailand as the same. Yeah. But I haven't been to uh, any other mm-hmm. Asian countries. I went to Malaysia, but I prefer like th- uh, Bangkok. Yeah. Bangkok's just got a uniqueness to it, I must admit. Yeah. It, draw, it, it drew me here as well. Mm-hmm. Have you trained anywhere else in Thailand so far? Has it just been Arete? Just Arete, yeah. Just Arete so far? Yeah. All right, fair enough. And then like we... Mm-hmm. I've come here f- three times this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most times we just... Uh, j- it's I only stay here for a week. Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. not even a week, a three days. Yeah. And because we don't have uh when we stay at the hotel for one championship. Yeah, it's the we, one near the, the Don Wang airport, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's super fast, so we just train at the hotel. Yeah, coming back and forth into the city center would be a pain mm-hmm. in the ass. So we would only come down at night to mm-hmm. eat. Yeah. And then go back up straight away. Yeah. That's the one thing is the traffic here. The BTS is quite handy as well, but during rush hour, though, you just feel like you're packed in like sardines, unfortunately. So I want to ask as well, I mean, um, where have you taught in, uh, in Hong Kong? Uh, in Hong Kong, I taught at uh, this gym called Hybrid. Uh, right. Um, uh-huh. And it was organized by uh, one of my friends, Kriyanchi yeah. Events. Yeah. So the, he took me to like some jiu-jitsu gym called Tempo. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't teach there. I just trained there. Yeah. And like, when I went, I used to go to Hong Kong a lot as a kid. Oh, really? So like, my parents would uh, always go. We would go mm-hmm. um, for like the weekend. Yeah. To have dinner and then comes back straight away. Mm-hmm. So like, the 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 time I went to teach uh, the seminar was the first time I actually trained jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. Right. So I didn't know what like the scene was gonna be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but like. I kind of knew, like, uh, some people, uh, like, Margo. Margo was from Hong Kong, Hong Kong, so she would tell me, like, oh, Jiu-Jitsu's there is good, so. Mm-hmm. I knew a little bit, but, like, not, like, uh, I, th- I didn't think, like, it was the level that it was going to be at, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're supposed to, you were actually surprised, surprised at the yeah. level there, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I've been there for a couple of competitions before as well. Okay. So in terms of like training environment in Asia so far, I mean you've been you've only been to a few countries in Asia, but how do you feel it? How do you find it um, in comparison to like the um, where you've trained in the U.S.? I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um, it, I have to like, for example, like uh, AOJ, ninety mm-hmm. percent is like hobbyists. Yeah. And it's only like the ten percent, and it's the same with like almost every gym. Mm-hmm. So like hobbyists around the world, like I think. It's getting about the same level. Yeah. Um, so, like, especially, like, when I come to uh, Arate or, like, Evolve, because, like, I train with Mikey mm-hmm. and the guys who can hang around are, like, the top guys mm-hmm. in, at each gym. Yeah. So, the le- le- um, maybe, like, the competitors might be a little bit lower than, like, an AOJ level. Mm-hmm. But the hobbyist is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you see any kind of distinct uniqueness from each country when you train there? Like, do you think there's like a cultural influence of like the that they bring into like the jiu-jitsu culture? You think? 
Or do you think everything's just kind of the same? Oh, it would be hard to say in Singapore because there's just like a lot of expats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I feel the same way for Arate too. Yeah, yeah, we we have a lot of expats. Yeah, I mean, the the evening crew that you get quite a lot of people coming in in the evening that are like very distinctly Thai. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's quite similar. Well, like um, yeah. when I go to Muay Thai gym, yeah. for example, PK Sanchai. Yeah, yeah. There's just a bunch of Thai guys. Yeah, and they just love to train hard. Mm-hmm. Just like go all hard, like 100%, mm-hmm. like every single minute. Yeah. So, and they're like a lot more. Easy going, I think. Mm-hmm. But Singapore was more fast paced, I think. Mm-hmm. Just I think because like I was training at Evolve, which was like in the business district, yeah. and everyone's like working, so yeah, everyone was fast paced. Ties are like the PK Sanchez more mm-hmm. laid back. Yeah, yeah. You know? It really depends on the gi- the culture of the gym as well, though. Like I can imagine, like maybe like gyms in Carpe Diem, depending on where the branches are, for example, that they're like time is very restricted in that they have to come in and out and then they have to go back to work mm-hmm. or they're finishing work and then well, what I found really surprising about the Japanese schedule especially when you see the timetables in Tokyo is the, the evening classes are so late oh yeah yeah right just because it's that Japanese culture thing where you have like even if let's say like the, the working day finishes at 5 mm-hmm. if the boss is still standing there at the head of the table you can't leave the office you know mm-hmm so, yeah, I, I remember I had a friend that owns a gym called Nexus Sense in Tokyo as well. And he told me the first year he was working in um, an office, he said for the first year he never left the office before 10 p.m. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I tried that for a year. I couldn't do it either. But let's say once you get your law degree, yeah. do, you think you'd, uh, do you think you want to do it in Japan? I'll get my law degree, but yeah. I haven't decided like, if I'm going to work as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a law is a good degree, but yeah. I mean, in terms of where you're at just now, what do you feel like you want to do after you finish your uh, your degree? Oh, I have no clue at the no moment. No idea. No idea. I mean, I suppose you are only 21. Like, um, yeah. I'll probably do like a six months internship mm-hmm. for law. Um, but I'm like open to working in Japan. Yeah. Um, as an expat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah. feel like, oh, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Do you have Japanese passport? Do you have an Australian? I'm just Australian. Oh, you, cho- you have to choose a 20, right? Yeah. All right. Yep, I chose two. I don't have two passports. I heard like working as an expat there is mm-hmm. good because... Wor- working as an expat is good, yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, you definitely get, you get treated to a different standard than yeah. Japanese people for sure, yeah. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. So it would be too bad. But like uh, the law system, I think, um, in Japan is, I believe, it's civil. Mm-hmm. And like Australia is common law. Right, okay. So it's a bit different. So I would have mm-hmm. to... Work as like an international lawyer, probably there. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and like my Japanese isn't that great, so I had to like. You'd have to catch up a little yeah. bit, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I reckon if you just lived, when I'm, I, I used to work, live and work in the UK, but once I moved to, um, I decided to move to Thailand to work for a Japanese company. Mm-hmm. And since you're working with like Japanese office workers and Thai workers, your Japanese tends tends to just sharpen up because you're always speaking it, basically. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but reading and writing, I'm like a little bit. Yeah. Iffy on. Uh, m- I've got maybe primary school or grade school level three kanji. Uh-huh. And the only reason why I still managed to do it is because I just read like Japanese manga all the way through like until now, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that, yeah. that tends to help. So another question I wanted to ask was how would you evaluate the current trends in jiu-jitsu and where do you see the sport going right now? The current trend in jiu-jitsu is definitely uh, nogi. Yeah. I think 
it's mainly because of ADCC mm -hmm. and there's more people like getting into Nogi. It's easier way for people to get in. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like when people sign up to a gym, if you're doing gi, you have to buy the gi, the, gi, yeah. the belt. And Nogi, you can just come in t-shirts and you know shorts. Yeah. So it's an easier entry. Mm. The trends in jiu-jitsu comes and goes, yeah. honestly. So like, Sometimes it's like no gi, mm -hmm. sometimes it's gi rising yeah. again. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like professional circuits uh, happening now mm -hmm. in the no gi scene. That's yeah. probably why too. Um, I don't know how long they're going to last. Yeah. Because like mm -hmm. there was Metamorris, which is really good. Yeah, that was awesome. And that, um, there was Kasai, which was really good. That was the one based in New York. New York. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know if they're still going, but... Mm -hmm. Probably COVID killed it. To yeah. Be honest. yeah. But there's there's been so many organizations. Mm -hmm. Like I don't I don't know which one's gonna like stay. I don't know if the word sustainable, but like mm -hmm. keep doing like you know yeah keep doing those events yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, Jesus, not a uh, entertaining sports to watch. Not really. It, I mean, Nogi's a little bit more exciting to watch, but at the same time, like. Yeah, like especially when you look at the IBJJF channel, like I don't know, like if you, do you ever watch, do you ever watch jiu-jitsu matches? I do just to study the positions, <laughs> but I hate it. It's so annoying. <laughs> so even like one of the top competitors in the process. That's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, would you say that for both gi and no gi as well? Yeah, for yeah. both gi and no gi. Like I show my friends jiu-jitsu, yeah. and I feel embarrassed to show it. I'm like, I just like. Yeah. Two dudes rolling on the ground. Yeah. And I'm like... It's hard it, to understand it, yeah. 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 Fair enough. It's, it's, yeah. It's totally understandable. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Okay. So, um... Since... I think this is more, right? Since... Have, um, so, we've done a few episodes. And then uh, Taco's like, okay, so start doing like a little segment that's interesting. So since half hour more, we've been doing this kind of like rapid fire quiz uh -huh. where you just, I ask you a question and you just answer off the top of your head. If you want to elaborate, you can elaborate. Or if you just want to give one answer, um, one answer, that's completely fine as well. Okay. All right. You good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Texting or talking? Talking. Okay. Uh, tea or coffee? Tea. Tea. Okay. Sure. Gear or no gear? Right now, no gi. Right now, no gi. This question, you can change it if you want to. New Wave or B Team? I'll choose to train a New Wave. Yeah. Yeah. And what would the reasoning behind that be? I really like uh, John Danahar's approach yeah. to how he looks at Jiu Jitsu. Um, I think he, he was like the first one to be able to break it down really yeah. well. Um, I also like New Wave as well. I'm a huge fan of Craig Jones. Yeah. I took a private with Craig before mm -hmm. he had the ADCC run. Yeah, before he blew up. He, before he blew yeah. up. Mm -hmm. And he's been always so nice. So yeah. it, I would go there to New Wave to uh, visit, I uh, know, B Team to visit him. Yeah. And then, but to learn, I would probably go on the Choose John Danaher. Yeah, right, New okay. Wave. So, um, in terms of instructor, Danaher Lachlan. I. I I oh. <laughs> I really like uh, Lachlan. Yeah. Lachlan and his wife Livia. Mm -hmm. Like uh, they've been 
like letting me come to their gym absolute yeah. since I was like a, a kid's belt. And I took like privates with Livia, yeah. uh, Lachlan's wife, because she was, when I was a kid, she was about the same size as me. Right. So I felt like her techniques would work a lot. So I would say Lachlan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll check. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, nickname your parents used to call you. Well, my name's kind of a nickname, so. Yeah, it's a little bit, yeah. Yeah, true. but like, uh, <laughs> they would call me Takoyaki. Ta- yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Because like, I was a little bit, like, because I grew up in Australia and yeah. I was a bit dark. Yeah. From the tan, so like, I was like a takoyaki color. Like a- yeah. That's probably why. There's been, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I actually ate takoyaki on Friday when I was watching my Mayfoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Great answer. Okay. Um, competition walkout or hype up song? Like a, a song? Yeah, like let's say, for example, if you were going to do a super fight yeah. on, let's say, like Matt Morris or EBR or something like that, what song would you walk out to? Or uh-huh. is there something that you listen to right before you step on the competition mat? Uh, for wa- walkout song, mm-hmm. I'll probably choose like an EDM song, like a hard style. Hard style EDM song? Yeah. Okay. Something you can muzz to. Yeah. And I would probably, for competition, like before walking out, like mm-hmm. listening to song, hype up song, I listen to pretty much anything. Anything? Anything. Okay. okay. I don't have a set playlist, okay. but like I normally like to talk a lot. Yeah. So All like, right. like talk to like talk to someone before you step on the mats, basically. Yeah, oh. like I'll talk to like my com- uh, the guy I'm competing against. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So is okay. it? I'm not like a. a I don't get like, I get dialed in, but yeah. I'm not like, I have to like not talk to anyone. Like yeah. I'm in earbuds. Yeah. You know? Kill or be killed kind of mentality. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Nah. Day class or night class? Day class for sure. Okay. And um. Outside of the places you've trained before, places you place you want to train the most. It can be a country or a particular gym. I would say New Wave or B Team. New Wave or B Team, cool. Also want to go to Jason Rao's gym. Oh yeah, I've heard um, Vanguard, right? Vanguard, yeah. Yeah, I've heard great stuff about that gym. Okay, uh, favorite food? Japanese. Japanese, hundred. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite jujitsu brand? There's a few. All right, okay. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, go for it, go for it. I really like the designs. I always liked Showroll. Mm-hmm. Um, also, AP, too, they do really nice Albino collab- Creto, yep. collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Carpe Diem stuff, too, what yeah. they do with uh, Bedouin and Heartbreakers. Yeah, like their rash guards are pretty awesome as well, I must admit. I have a Jiu-Jitsu brand as well. Oh, do you? Give it a shout-out. Little Knowledge. Little Knowledge. Oh, okay, okay. LK and W. Okay. I like VHTS, too. Yeah, VHTS is good as well. And yeah. uh, Control. It's an old brand, but I really like Control. Yeah, they've been around for a long time, but they're, yeah, they're consistent as well. Uh, control was my first sponsor mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Okay. So, uh-huh. but, na- like but now Little Knowledge is like your own brand now, right? My own brand, like in secret, like I'll just like create rash guards. Mm-hmm. I've also created like geese mm-hmm. in the past. Right. But I never like got to a point where I sell them. Like yeah. I normally just like get the rash guard yeah. and I've just been just giving them out. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Would you want to like grow it, would you say, or is it just something that you just want to do on the site as a passion right now? As a passion right now. Okay. I don't think like uh, the designs are there yet. Right, okay. So like I want to keep improving it. And like, test it out and get some feedback from people that you give rash guards to. Yeah. That's cool. 
All right. Favorite submission? Armbar. Armbar. Really? Yeah. Armbar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? I would say like a. I was always a fan of Hafa. Yeah. And Hafa always had the craziest armbars. Hundred percent. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Also, uh, baseball bat choke. Be- okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 And the last rapid fire question is: Well, it doesn't have to be a rapid answer, but what does black belt mean to you? It's just a, like mm-hmm. after I got it, I would, like before I got it, I was like, oh, I really want it. Like, yeah, it means everything to me. Mm-hmm. But after I got it, I was like. It was meant to happen because I always wanted to compete at black belt. Yeah. So there were, I was going to get the black belt. And so a black belt means, it kind of means just like a certificate to compete at black belt. Yeah. To me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, it might mean more, but to yeah. me, it was like. But for now, it's, for right now, for you, it means that you get to compete at that level. Basically. Compete at that level, yeah. Okay. It, what, what more, what means more to me is probably like getting it from Gear and Hafa. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that recognition that like I'm a black belt. Yeah, from them especially. From them especially, not necessarily the black belt. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what are the future immediate future plans right now? Immediate future plans. So Nogi Worlds in December, mm-hmm. and straight after that, I have to go back to university, right. finish my degree. Is this this isn't your this is your last year coming up, right? Yeah, last year coming right, up. Okay. And then after that, it's maybe, maybe, maybe lawyer up for a little bit and do an internship for six months. Yeah. Yeah. In Australia, you have to do this uh, course called the GLDP. Mm-hmm. It's before you get admitted, you have mm-hmm. to do like a six month uh, program to become a lawyer. Right. Okay. After your degree. So mm-hmm. I got to do it. You can do that at a university, mm-hmm. like online, or you can do it at like a law firm. Mm-hmm. So I would just, I am choosing to do it at a law firm yeah so like i can get like a hands-on practice. yeah like real life experience yeah so after so so these are kind of like requisites that you have to do to get to that point so mm-hmm. after the internship what, what would you like to do in terms of personal goals and what you think you should be doing what i should be th- well uh, what do you think you should be doing after the six month internship and what would you like to be doing at the same time like okay maybe i'll be a lawyer or after the six months I might take this time off and become do some black belt competitions or maybe I'll just go straight into working working life I think I'll do uh, or maybe a bit in work mm-hmm. uh, work mm-hmm. as a lawyer mm-hmm. and then maybe after a few years I might do I might get my master's degree yeah. awesome and also because I can't f- uh, my parents like uh, had their own business mm-hmm. so I think there's a big influence there. So instead of like working, I probably want to start my own business. Start your own business as well. May I ask what your parents do? My parents? Yeah. My dad had a, uh, a company mm-hmm. uh, which flowed to the Tokyo stock market. Okay. And then, uh, but I actually don't know what he really did. Yeah. Because uh, he retired before I was born. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Okay. And in terms of like starting your own business, what, what would you like to do? Do you think? something in well like in the six months I was uh, working in Singapore mm-hmm. as a work uh, on a working holiday pass I was doing a lot of uh, crypto work right okay and then I was like heavily involved in that mm-hmm. so 
I'm still really interested in it, so I probably want to jump into that area. Yeah. And I have a mentor. Okay. Like right there, so. Okay. <laughs> it's so a mentor. It's a mentor, so <laughs> I want to jump in that area or <laughs> something to do with uh, uh, martial arts. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And my last question is, um, who would you like to thank? I'd like to thank. There's a lot of people. First, like, I want to thank uh, Mikey. Yeah. Because he helps me a lot and, mm-hmm. like, he takes me, like, everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I would have never imagined. Like, even Thailand. Yeah. Living in Singapore's train. So, like, and, like, take, he takes me to all the one championship events with him. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's an experience, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can never guess. I'm so grateful for that. So, I'm so thankful for him. And he's, like, the best coach. Yeah. Like, he teaches me every single day. trains me every day. Mm-hmm. And. Also, Guy and Hafa, mm-hmm. because I trained with them like from age 12 to like 18. And they also took me everywhere too, like with seminars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they didn't have to, so mm-hmm. they would take me to seminars, show me how it's done, um, how they would compete. Like, a, like I would watch them compete, I would get a big influence on them. And, and to my, like my first coach in Australia, Jason Robig. He he has Axis and uh, it's mm-hmm. called Axis. Mm-hmm. Is it the is it like an Australian Axis? Australian Axis, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. He's the first one like that mm-hmm. really got me into jiu-jitsu. Right, okay. Man, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Other than that, uh, parents. Oh yeah, parents. parents. Yeah, too. <laughs> I always yeah. forget that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely yeah. parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there any sponsors anybody that you like to thank? I have no sponsors. No sponsors? Oh, okay. No problem. All right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think, yep, that's it for the interview. Okay, sweet. Thank you. Thank you.